Hey guys, it's time for Nina's Got Good News. Nina's a former TV news gal who used to share all the news. Now, as a mom and small businesswoman, she wants to share only the good stuff. It's time to brighten your day. So here's your host, Nina B. Clark. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. How are you? Thank you all so much for showing up and supporting this podcast. Do you know that we've been delivering good news since we launched in 2018, and we are now approaching our three-year anniversary. I can't believe it. It's time to pop some champagne and celebrate all that good news. Who knew back then in 2018 that we would need to hear positive stories this much? But we do. And here we are three years later, still going. So welcome to episode number 89, you guys. We made it to podcast number 89. I can't believe it. Today's episode focuses on a new company that is doing good and making a positive impact. We love these kind of stories. Good Sam Foods launched in the challenging year of COVID. Yep, that's right. We're talking about that year, 2020. Good Sam Foods launched with a line of incredibly yummy, sugar-free chocolate that my whole family is addicted to. We love it so much. And it's sugar-free. Now they are expanding into the coffee business, which is also really good news. The fact that they're expanding and they're making coffee that I love. Good Sam has a mission. Their goal is to produce products that are good for you, fair for farmers, and good for the planet. This is something we can all get behind. Their co-founder and CEO is a serial entrepreneur and a consumer packaged goods expert with extensive experience in this industry. She's also my friend, Heather K. Terry. She's a highly sought after advisor to many up and coming wellness products. Heather juggles so much as a busy mom and being the CEO of Good Sam as they grow with new product offerings. And we're gonna talk about them today. Heather is an amazing woman on a mission to make a positive impact on our planet. We love that. We think every day should be Earth Day, right, Heather? Good Sam is a young company that's already growing like crazy, and I loved hearing the story behind this emerging brand. So here's my recent conversation with Heather K. Terry, co-founder and CEO of Good Sam Foods. And Heather K. Terry joins me now from Connecticut. Hi, Heather. How are you? So good to see you. I'm great, Nina. Thanks so much for having me. It's really good to see you too. Oh my gosh. Well, we've actually been lucky. We've actually recently seen each other in person, which is like amazing. So, but tell everyone, like, how are you doing? How's your family doing? Are you excited for summer? How is everything in your world? I am excited. Uh, you know, things I feel like are opening back up again in the world. And so uh, it feels busier than it's been in the last year in, a, in like a different way, in a more transient way, right? Where you're like, oh, I'm moving. <laughs> so I'm not just staying in my house with like 85 Zoom meetings on the calendar from 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. Um, so I'm excited about that because I feel like it's been a year of being very in like, insular, very inside, very, which I think was kind of awesome in some ways, but it's kind of fun now that things are opening back up a little bit and people are getting a little bit more social. So yeah, I'm, I'm very excited for the summer. Yeah, me too. We love summer in Connecticut too. We kind of, we're yeah. kind of spoiled living here in the summer. Um, so Heather, tell us how is Good Sam Foods doing as a company? Would you say, what's the state of the company right now? It's very good, <laughs> which is very exciting. Um, I think it's really interesting, I've, I, as you know, Nina, and, and probably from my bio, the listeners know, I've been doing this for a really long time. I've been uh, starting and growing small businesses for over a decade, almost a decade and a half. And, um, 
you know, you kind of know in those first couple of months if you've got a winner or not. And you know it because the market's responding to it. You know it because of reviews. You know it because of sales. I think what's really interesting about this company for me after all of this time uh, doing businesses in the way that I have is that we control our supply chain in a really interesting way in that we work directly with our farmers and we speak directly to them. And so it's a different, it's a little bit of a different business model for me, but seeing it work in the way we predicted it would work is, you know, that's almost never happens. That's, it's a very strange thing when you're like looking at the numbers on the page and you're like, wow, we're pretty close to what we thought was going to happen. And that gets, you know, that's really exciting. It's exciting for everyone working in the business. It's exciting for shareholders. It's exciting for the partners that we work with on the outside to just see all the excitement and the, um, you know, the acceptance into the market of something so new. I think it, it's it's really fun to be a part of something like that because they're not all like that, sadly. <laughs> I know it's so positive. And I love, I love that you're finding all the joy in in your in your new brand. It's so awesome. I'm so, so happy for you. So congratulations again. So Heather, you, as you mentioned, you're a serial entrepreneur. You've been doing this for a long time. And you really are a true expert in consumer packaged goods. So why did you want to start Good Sam Foods? And also because Blaine, my daughter wants to know, where did the name come from? <laughs> Hi, Blaine. Uh, and yeah, so the name um, is interesting. I'll start there and then and then I'll talk about why this company. Um, so the name Good Sam, so my partner, Sam Stroot, is the Sam in Good Sam. Um, and it really was because Sam brought this company to beyond brands where I was a consultant. So I had spent my, you know, my entire career, like I said, almost 15 years now in consumer packaged goods in the natural products industry. And I joined the partnership at beyond brands and Sam was one of my first clients. And he came in with this idea of, he's like, I've got a dried fruit company and my wife's from Columbia and I, we don't know what to do with it. I don't know what to do with it. I'm stuck. I'm here. What do I do? And I became his person. So Eric Schnell, who's the CEO of Beyond Brands, looked at me and he's like, Heather, there's all kinds of stuff in Colombia. There's chocolate. You know chocolate. That's all you've done. You're, that's like your big thing you've done um, in the natural products industry. Go figure it out, right? So I became his consultant, realized there was a lot more to the story. And essentially, as, as Sam likes to say, I put a knife through the heart of his baby, which was Jungle Orchard at the time. And then we recreated the whole concept around Good Sam. And so Good Sam is a play on Sam's name, but also on the concept of Good Samaritan, the idea that someone who doesn't know someone, so right, um, you're in the grocery store, you're on Thrive Market, and you pick up one of our products, you don't know the people who are bringing that to market. You don't know the farmers who are cultivating that cacao or that coffee or whatever it is that you're buying from us, but you are actually doing something much bigger than just buying a bar of chocolate from us. Um, and that's the reason that I wanted to do this company. I had been in, my first business was Nibmore Chocolate, um, which I started in 2009. It was my first, um, my first CPG company. I started to understand the ins and outs of the chocolate industry in particular and commodities um, out of places like Africa, Dominican Republic, South America. I traveled to all of those places and, um, and Bali and you know all these places where we were sourcing ingredients. We were very much at that company, a marketing organization. We didn't have the direct links to our farmers. We were working through a lot of third-party brokers, but 
I started to understand the breakdown in the system. And I started to understand where the problems were in the system and that I, as a business person, could help to bridge the gap in inequality, pay inequality, um, getting farmers what they needed. So it's not just even pay, it's resources, development, community development, um, that companies and businesses actually have a lot more power and a lot more um, that they can bring to the table than they let on potentially on the larger side. Um, but also I think like for me in all of that time too, I wanted to make sure that we um, decolonialized that system, right? Because as, as a white woman, right, going into these countries where it's primarily black and brown people, um, you know, I wanted to make sure that if I was going to do this again, that instead of us coming to the table, like groups like Fair Trade do and say, well, here's the money um, and here's what you can do with it. These are the buckets. I wanted to say, okay, great. We're great marketers. We're great at bringing products to market in the United States. We have this money that we want to give to you. What do you want to do with it? How is this going to serve your community? How is this going to grow your business and help us in turn because your business is growing, right? And that for me, I think with Good Sam was the main reason that when Sam asked me to become his co-founder and then the CEO of the company, I accepted because that was something that I had been looking for for a really long time. Yeah, it sounds like a win-win, right? Yeah. And I love that um, the partnership that you're talking about with with the farmers and those communities. I know you're super passionate about that. And I think that's amazing. So kudos to you for actually getting it done. So tell us a little bit about the chocolates. Okay. Because they're so good. They're so yummy. My whole family loves them. They're kind of addicting. Thanks. Thanks for making us addicted. But my, what I'm so curious about, because what I also love as a mom is that they're sugar-free, right? So how do you make them taste so good and be sugar-free because as moms and parents out there, we all know sugar really is the devil. So how do you make it so good and also be sugar-free? So this was, this is something again, that for me in my career in natural products was a challenge, right? There's a lot of sugar-free products out in the market. And I have to credit Jeremiah McElway from Thrive Market, the CMO over there who challenged me as somebody who had been in the chocolate industry for as long as I'd been just, and he came to me and said, Heather, I think this product needs to be sugar free. And I think you need to figure out a way to do it. And he's like, what about monk fruit? What about, I was like, Jeremiah, I tried everything at Nibmore. It's all terrible. There's no way. (laughs) And I, but I said, you know what, for Thrive, I'm going to try to do it. And right around that time, Sam knew that allulose had been approved by the FDA and he knew he was very close with who um, ultimately became our supplier on allulose. And he said, Hey, have like, why don't we try this other sweetener? I know a little bit of a crapshoot, but like you would do have some experience in this, like, let's see what we can do with, you know, some of the, the guys in R&D at some of the factories we work in and see what can happen. So we went down that rabbit hole and, you know, because for me, as somebody who's a marketer in the United States and who spent the majority of my career in sales and marketing in the U.S., I know that no matter what, a buyer, a customer, um, a marketer within some of the larger organizations, they need that product to taste good. That is the number one requirement of customers in the United States. So if there are budding entrepreneurs out there in the food space that are listening to this, 
I do not care how many points of functionality you have in a product. If it does not taste good, no one will buy it again, period. It's just, it's really hard to win that customer again the second time around. So I said to, I said to Jeremiah and Thrive, I said, okay, well, I'm going to try, but if it doesn't taste good, we're not doing it. We went through eight and a half months of, iter- of hard iteration. Um, so, you know, typically when we iterate or we're product developing, it can take, you know, sometimes it can take two years. We took eight months of really, really aggressive um, product innovation to figure it out. And that's how we ended up with the product because I wanted it to be a sugar-free experience as close to a cane sugar bar that you would just buy on the market, enjoyable, palatable, all of the things, right? Um, and that was really how we got there, you know? So it just, it was, it was a little bit um, Sam's, the light bulb going off in Sam's head saying, let's try this and me going, it has to taste good. And then with that criteria, us getting it right. And I think, um, I think we've done a good job of that. I would say, considering we're all addicted, yeah. so it does taste good. And we're all so happy as parents that it's sugar-free. So thank you. Yeah, It's like, it takes a village clearly to make that all come together. So I love that backstory. So um, tell us, you know, first of all, the fact that you launched a brand in 2020 is like <laughs> incredible. So but I do like to, you know, keep it real on the podcast. Tell us like, what was the biggest challenge of launching this brand in 2020 and then also, you know, talk about some of the challenges of leading as a co-founder and CEO, leading a company during this pandemic. Yeah. So <laughs> I think when the pandemic started, you know, we were, um, it started, you know, we started hearing about it. We, Sam and I were in Columbia when we started hearing rumblings about it and, um, we're like, okay, we don't really know what's going to happen. Is this a pandemic? Is it not like no one had any information. So it was just very confusing. And, um, as the country went into lockdown, we made a very swift decision to, I mean, look, our teams are all over the world anyway. We have people in Kenya, Colombia, California, Colorado, Canada, New York. Um, it's, you know, people are all over the place. And so for us, sort of teleworking was never an issue because that's how we've had to operate for so long. I mean, Good Sam launched in November of 2020, but we've been in business for two years before that, right? Before we even launched. So, because that was how long it took to do all of these things that we've done. Um, we, yeah, there were, there were definitely challenges. I think, you know, for a brand, a new brand, there's always like a coming out party and we didn't get that. We didn't have Expo West. We didn't have Expo East. We didn't have the shows and all of that, right? Um, in the beginning, um, or even when we were iterating, trying to bring the product to market. So, that's always a little bit of a bummer, right? When you can't get out there and see people and do that. In some ways, it was a blessing for us because it gave us time to make sure that everything was exactly the way it needed to be. Um, leading during it, I think, you know, again, our, our corporate culture is very um, d- divided in the sense that we're all all over the place, but that's sort of what makes it work. So the working part of it hasn't changed much for us, nor will it change very much for us post-pandemic. Um, we're always on Zoom or Google Meets or Microsoft Teams, like whatever whatever the uh, flavor of the of the meeting is. But um, you know, there have been moments, and I think I think the hardest moments in this pandemic have been when, and every employee or staff person has been through it. They hit a moment 
that is really hard, where it seems the world is very overwhelming because in addition to the pandemic, you know, we've had to deal with political strife here in the United States, political strife in Colombia, um, all of those things. And, um, you know, watching, watching that piece materialize um, and sort of being there to support each and every one of our employees as they're going through that time and, and working to uplift them and make sure that they're, you know, they real, you know, I think you have to sort of come at it from a mindset, Nina, of, yes, it's overwhelming. And we've all, we all have those moments. I'm sure you've had those moments um, with your kids, with yourself. And then you think, well, what can I do? What are the things I can do that are in my control and, and bringing people to that side of like, okay, well, what we control is this and that's all we can control. And so we're just going to keep going on doing that. And that's how we roll. Right. So there's been, there's been some of that. And, um, you know, I think we've, we've all been there for each other in that way. And that's been really special in a lot of ways too. Yeah. There's almost like that silver lining. The challenge actually turns into the silver lining, right? Yeah. And you, you're there for each other and you can lean into each other for that support. So I think that's awesome about your company culture. So tell us a little bit about direct trade. When you guys talk about direct trade, break it down for those of us that, you know, aren't in this space. What is it, what exactly does direct trade mean? And why is that so important to you? Okay. So I'm going to back up by talking about what fair trade means. Yeah. That's really the root of it. So we're not against fair trade at Good Sam. I want to be really, really clear about that. Cause I think sometimes people think that we're anti-fair trade. We're not actually, um, Fair trade can work in some instances, and especially with really small companies that can't do the work on their own. They don't have access. They don't have volume or ability, or for whatever reason, they're not able to do it. Um, or maybe, you know, they're doing a granola bar that has a chocolate drizzle on it. And they're like, okay, I'm just, I just want to buy something that's fair trade that I feel like I'm doing the right thing. And like, this is not my main jam. Um, it, it works really fine in those situations. The issue with fair trade is that fair trade is a little bit of a bureaucracy to some degree, right? It is layers of people and red tape in order to get money to farmers and associations, which are conglomerates of farmers that have organized um, together. So what happens is in some instances, because uh, I won't say all, because then someone will come, you know, I'll get some nasty email in my box, but in, in, Many instances, what happens is that the fair trade groups, obviously they have to pay themselves, they have to pay their rent, they have to pay their travel expenses. So the 1% that brands pay into the fair trade system is their operating costs, their employees, their offices, all that stuff. And then the remainder of that balance, right, will go into those projects, right? And what happens is they'll approach an association or they'll approach um, a farm an individual farm and say, okay, well, we have this money and these are the programs we run and pick one. And it's a one size fits all. I remember being down in Belize with Nibmore and talking to the farmers about fair trade and asking them um, how it was going, just like, how's it going? And we over and over again, had farmers say things to us, like, if we get one more community center, like I'm going to lose my mind, right? We really need a bridge or we really need notebooks or we really need this for the, for the community, right? Or the farmers need um, seedlings, right? Whatever it is. Direct trade, um, my first exposure to direct trade was through Alex Whitmore of Taza Chocolate. 
And I traveled with him and, and part of his team down to Belize where they were doing a lot of work um, with farmers. And Alex was way ahead of his time, way, way ahead of his time. And I really, I credit him um, with a lot, especially for small producers in the U.S. to, to look at. Um, it, traveling with him and, and hearing his experience really stuck with me as a young entrepreneur and, and thinking about how I wanted to do business in the future. So when we thought about direct trade here at Good Sam, we said, you know what? We're still going to pay, pay the fair trade premium. So there's like the market value of cacao beans or coffee. And then there's the fair trade premium and organic prices that come above that. So we pay that to the farmer. We're like, you know what? We're paying you the price. Here's the price. Awesome. Excellent. Um, now we're going to take 1% of our top line sales and we're going to reinvest it back into you, except that we're not going to dictate it. We're going to bring you to the table. Everybody has a seat at the table. And so when we sign a direct trade contract with our associates, or individual farmers. We talk a lot about like, this is how the program works. This is the steps that will happen. We will collectively decide on what, um, this is very democratic, right? We say, we're going to decide collectively, hey, we have this much money that we're going to allocate to group X. What do you guys want to do? What have you been talking about? What have you been working on? And they bring all their ideas to the table. I mean, everything. Now, what this does to Good Sam is it puts us in projects that are what I call the unsexy projects, um, which is, you know, cadmium testing so that farmers can understand which markets they can sell their cacao beans in. Um, there's things like garbage removal, right? Um, for very remote areas. They don't have garbage trucks in the remote parts of Colombia, you guys. Like, and people bring things like plastic bottles onto those farms and waste that cannot be reused, right? So we tend to work on these projects that are, you know, they're not photo ops. They're they're just really important to the growth and the um, health of the farms and the businesses. Uh, and, and that's what we're really interested in. We're interested not in the photo op. So we have some projects out there, like we have a library project that we're working on that, you know, will look pretty and look nice and it's what, but it's what the community needs, right? Um, but we're not looking for that moment so we can show how great we are. We're looking to reinvest in farmers individually and farm associations in order to grow their businesses so that they can grow with us as our demand increases. Yeah, it's like a true partnership then in that respect, right? Exactly. That's awesome. Kudos to you guys for doing the behind the scenes unsexy work. <laughs> Very unsexy, yes, Nina. <laughs> but, I, but good for you guys. So tell us a little bit about the process of Good Sam becoming, applying to be a, a B corporation, because that's something that I know you're passionate about. So am I with my work at Beauty Counter, but B corporations for anyone that doesn't know about it is something that's actually really hard to get and really amazing once you do get it. So tell us about the process of applying to be a B Corp. Yeah. So we're just, we're starting the process this August um, because we'll have been on the market for roughly a year at that point, um, which we kind of needed a little run, runway underneath us and our direct trade program to be going um, in order to talk about the things that we're doing. <laughs> Um, so yeah, we're working on our, our B Corp filing. Another, another thing that attaches, I think, pretty directly to B Corp and that we're really, really focused on as a, as a business is ESG, so environmental social governance, how our business is run, right? It's one thing to have a product that's non-GMO, made from organic ingredients, gluten-free, you know, all the things, all the regeneratively farmed, you know, all the things that we talk about. 
it's another thing to run your business from a place that uh, supports the environment, supports social programs, and that is governed in a way that is not just about top line profits. So at Good Sam, we have a, a saying in the board in our boardroom that um, that now we're starting to use a little bit more widely, but it's planet, people, prosperity for all. And it's because we believe, Sam and I, and our board, everyone involved in our company believes that the planet has to come first. And look, I know there's going to be some people out there who are like, no, but my family comes first. No, if there's no planet, your family has nowhere to go. Because guess what? Like we ain't living on Mars anytime soon. Like it's not happening. I know like whatever the news, it's not happening anytime soon. So if we keep doing what we're doing to the planet, I don't care if you believe in climate change or you don't, it, what's happening is becoming unsustainable to the planet as a whole. If we can't take care of the planet, there will be nowhere for people to be and thrive and grow and for future generations. The next thing we take care of is people because we believe at Good Sam that when everybody is paid fairly, right? Everyone is paid a living wage. Everyone is reinvested in to grow businesses and to be a part of something bigger, not just us sitting in a boardroom going, let's put it in our pocket, let's put it in our pocket. You know, I want everyone out there listening to this to question when you buy a chocolate bar at the grocery store for $6.99 or $7.99, I would like you to question that because guess what? The farmers who are making that product are not getting paid. They're not. They're not. All of that extra money is going into someone's pocket here in the United States, period, right? And a lot of these organizations cannot answer that. A lot of those organizations have never been on a farm, which is mind-blowing in some ways. They just slap a, flip, a fair trade label on it and go, we did our part. No, you didn't do your part because those farmers are not getting what they need, right? Colombia right now is in, it's in a tough spot. 42% of Colombia is living at a poverty level. And what that means, Nina, is that 42% of Colombians, Colombia is a very large coffee and cacao producing region, are making one US dollar a day. That's mind blowing. I mean, it's, it's not sustainable. It is not sustainable to not pay people for the work they're doing. It will come back on us, not just in this country, but all over the world. Right. So, and then governance, right? How do we govern our business? How do we, how do we bring in shareholders? How do we take money? How do we use money? How do we allocate, you know, um, Everything that we do, every time that we look at a project or we look at how we're going to use funds or work on a project, we do a side-by-side comparison. Okay, you know, we could do it this way and we would make a 60% margin, but we could do it this way where like the planet benefits, people benefit. Oh my gosh, we can reinvest money and we take a 52% margin. 52% is still really good. And we're, you know, 8%, yeah, it's great. But like, if it's destroying a, the system, if it's destroying the whole ecosystem, the social system, the human system, it's not sustainable. And so we're not willing to do that. Yep. Well, I, I'm, I'm going to be cheering you on when you apply to be a B Corp. <laughs> I really, I really want to see you guys Thank make you. that list. So I'm very confident that they're going to give you the, the green light. So, okay, let's talk. Obviously, you started with chocolate, which is incredible and addicting, as I mentioned. But now let's talk about your new coffee launch. All of us um, rely on our caffeine fix every single day. But why did you decide to jump into the coffee business in addition to chocolate? 
Yeah. So for us um, at Good Sam, we only work in regenerative systems. So what is regenerative system? Um, regeneration is biodiversity of plants. And what that means, I know probably a lot of people are hearing that word, regenerative farming, regenerative agriculture, regenerative, 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 right? But what does it mean? So think about the United States and think about like a cornfield in the United States. That is monocropping. And that means a single crop on land and they use tills in order to turn over the soil. When you till soil, and I'm oversimplifying this grossly just to give everybody the gist, it releases a tremendous amount of carbon into the air, right? And this carbon is what is actually um, contributing to our greenhouse gas problem, our carbon atmosphere problem, right? So what regenerative agriculture does, it is allows for the biodiversity of plants, horticulture, multiple crops growing in the same place, right? So in Colombia uh, and even in Kenya, when we're on our farms, we are on farms that are growing multiple things, multiple plants. So I was walking in Colombia the first time I was, I was like, coffee is growing next to cacao plantains. Oh, wait, like suddenly I started putting pieces together. Like, wow, a lot of things here grow together. So not only is that a planet win, right? Because different cultivations, different cultivation schedules, but it is a business win because these farmers in growing in a biodiverse atmosphere for them, they have a year round income right? Think about the United States. We all hear about farm subsidies and farmers not being able to make it. It's because they don't have enough streams of revenue, right? So the regenerative movement in the United States is really starting to take off because farmers are starting to get savvy. They're starting to go, we've been duped. We've been duped to think it's a one crop system. It's not a one crop system. If I grow multiple things, I will have revenue year round, right? So our, um, our commitment is to uh, use only regenerative farms. People come to us sometimes and they say, how did you turn them? It didn't turn anybody regenerative. They've been regenerative for thousands of years. They're in the middle of the, you know, the, the Andes mountains, the Amazon they're they're They've been doing this forever. Um, we have to switch them in the United States, which is a totally different topic. But, um, I think we're, we're, you know, we're committed to regenerative ag and anything growing together we're interested in. Right. So right now we're starting preliminary talks about a honey project, right? Because one of our tribes um, in Santa Marta in uh, northern part of Colombia, they have hives and they're pollinating the coffee and the cacao and the plants. I mean, this is the definition of like some of the most beautiful um, climate change reversal mechanisms that we can find on this planet, right? By just buying um, and experiencing all that the earth has to offer in a way that is non-destructive. Yeah. And I think actually coffee and chocolate together would yeah. be like, <laughs> it's like the they best breakfast. Right they go so it's well. Yeah. It's like, you know, yeah. it's like one of those things and where maybe like, you'll do plantains too. No, give it away. Oh, okay. Don't sorry, give it away, sorry. Nina. Sorry, Heather's got, <laughs> Heather's got good news. Okay. Yeah. No, so good. So right now your coffee is available at Thrive. So I want to talk yes. a little bit about your relationship with Thrive mm -hmm. and how that works. Because what if you all of a sudden want to next month, you're going to be launching coffee on Amazon. So how does that work with Thrive Market? I personally love Thrive Market, but not everyone is familiar probably, but how does that relationship work? 
Yeah. So look, I always encourage everybody to check out Thrive because I think the work that they're doing, especially here in the United States, um, sort of democratizing food and giving access to lower income communities. So just know, if you're listening to this and you can afford a, a Thrive membership, they're going to give one to a teacher, a low, somebody who's in a low income bracket. They're going to give a free membership to that person. And what's cool about Thrive is that they cut out so much of the middleman that the pricing for these natural products becomes more and more accessible. You know, maybe not on every level. Some things are just really, really expensive because of supply chain and different initiatives from different companies. But um, a lot of it becomes really affordable, which is amazing, right? When we, when we think about food equity and we think about food deserts and um, food inequality in this country, right? In the United States in particular. So we have a partnership with Thrive Market where we put all of our products on Thrive for about six months exclusively. And then we move it onto our website and into Amazon. Not everything goes to Amazon, only um, very specific products go to Amazon. And I'll give you a, I'll give you a spoiler, Nina. You ready? And just for your audience. We're ready. ready. Macadamia nuts from regenerative, um, primarily female-run farms in Kenya. June, June. Oh, that's amazing. Um, Erkito, they are the most crunchy, buttery macadamia nuts. You're uh, even, you know, I don't like macadamia nuts. I love my husband loves those. Yeah, because they are keto. Yeah, macadamia nuts are keto. Oh, that's awesome, Heather. Congrats! Thank you. So many good little things (laughs) happening. I love them. Yeah. So most of our products run through Thrive first. Um, There are some exceptions, um, but you know we have a really great partnership with them, and and we encourage everyone, like I said, to take to check them out because they're doing some really good work um, here in the United States. Yeah. I love it. When I get a big thrive order, when I get the box, I get so excited. I forget what I order. And then I'm like, Oh, I got all this good stuff. And it's like good brand. Everything's healthy. And I just, I love supporting them too. So that's awesome about your partnership. So let's tap into your entrepreneurial brain for a minute, because I know a lot of people who are listening, um, you know, are, are working like us working moms, but tell us like, if someone has an idea for something, you know, whether it's a small business or a product, you know, what is your best entrepreneurial or small business advice for people right now in 2021 as we're coming out of this pandemic slowly, but we're coming out. Um, what is your best advice for anyone that has an idea for something that they want to start, even if it's like a podcast or a product or a blog or, you know, just something, a business, what is your best advice for them? Because you're such an amazing entrepreneur. So again, Nina, I like to, I like to delve into the unsexiness of all of it. Um, this is not going to be a popular response, um, but you know, you get an idea and it seems like it's so exciting and it's so cool. And you're so like, I'm going to do this. I'm so, I'm, and you're radiating. And then the rubber meets the road and money gets involved. And oftentimes, you know, I'll have, I have, I have mentored dozens of entrepreneurs, right? Who come to me and they're like, okay, so I made this product and now I want, and I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Tell me how much it makes to cost to make it. Tell me how much money you're making. Tell me how much money you have in the bank. Tell me how much money you have to expand. Do you have a plan, right? A lot of people skip those steps. So it's like, great, you have an idea and I'm so happy for you. You're glowing, you're beautiful. Now here is, here is Aunt Heather to tell you the truth. And Aunt Heather is going to say to you all, go map it out financially 
and go map it out from a visionary perspective. And actually you kind of have to map it out from a visionary perspective first before you map it out financially. If your idea is that, oh, I want a $5 million company in two years, how are you going to get there? Because making jam in your kitchen, you're, it's not sustainable. So how do you get to 5 million in two years? Or how do you get to 5 million in five years, right? It, it also requires capital. So how much money do you have that you're willing to put in? Because even angel investors expect you to put your own money into something before anybody, I can't tell you how many entrepreneurs who come to me are like, well, shouldn't people just want to give me money? And I'm like, they, they don't know you. You have no track record. Like what, what, it's like getting a bank loan. You have to have assets. If you don't have assets, you can't get anywhere with anyone, right? So there are very few unicorn ideas, right? Where people are willing to take that risk without some organization around it. So your job to get a product podcast, whatever it is that you're going to get to market is to say, what is the vision? And then how do I get there? And then how do I get there financially? How much am I willing to put in? Do I have any other access to capital around me potentially? Do I have a mom, a dad, a cousin, a ex-boyfriend from eighth grade who hit a big, whatever it is, right? Whoever, whoever you can tap that has deep pockets, um, that can really help get you off the ground. Now, I do want to put a disclaimer on that, Nina, just because I think it's the only fair thing to do um, to mention the elephant in the room, which is that women of color in particular are very, very undercapitalized. Women are undercapitalized, but women of color are even more marginalized in the entrepreneurial community. So if you are a woman of color and you are listening to this, the odds are stacked against you. With that said, all, there is also a lot of opportunity right now and a lot of investment groups that are changing their tune. Right. So you have to know eyes wide open. If I'm a woman, odds are stacked against me. If I'm a woman of color, odds are stacked against me even more. If I'm a white guy, awesome. Uh, no, but you are going to have a lot easier of a time. You still need to know your numbers though. Right. So I think really understanding the landscape and understanding where you are going to have an easier time or a more difficult time is very, very important as you go into this. And you know, another resource that entrepreneurs have in front of them that a lot of beginning entrepreneurs don't know about are accelerators and incubators. And so I would say doing some Google searches around accelerators and incubators, especially if you don't have deep pockets around you, could be a very important piece of the puzzle for you. Okay. You heard it here from Aunt Heather. Oh my gosh. Right. <laughs> So good. And everyone's going to go back to their boyfriend from eighth grade. <laughs> exactly. I don't even know. I don't think I had a boyfriend in eighth grade, Nina. I know. Me neither. I was, I was a late bloomer, Heather. I had a crush though. So oh, okay. I'll go to him. Oh my gosh. Hilarious. You're so good. So tell us a little bit about how you, you, you do so much, obviously you're co-founder, CEO, you do so much and you're a mom. So how do you juggle it all? I just feel like I always like to tap into fellow working moms that are busy doing a lot of amazing things. Obviously, your company is doing making such a huge impact, which by the way, I know your daughter's so proud and so happy about that because mom is making an impact and leaving the world a better place. That's going to be your legacy. But how do you juggle it all because I just feel like you're super busy and it's a lot, right? Especially this past 14 months, it's a lot. So how yeah. do you juggle it all? I have help. <laughs> I, I have to be really honest about that. You know, I'm very lucky. I have a really supportive partner. Um, if you're going to become an entrepreneur, 
you need a supportive partner, whether it's a husband, a wife, a, a, a life partner. If they're not on board, it, it's either that the business is going to fail or your relationship is going to fail. So you need to have your partner on board. And, and I'm lucky enough to have an extra set of hands here, right? So I'm, I'm lucky and I am very privileged in that way, right? I, I, that is not lost on me any day ever. Um, I have only been able to do as much as I've been able to do because of that. And there are women in particular out there who are really struggling right now because they do not have access to help. And, you know, this is something that, you know, not to get too political, but I do hope that women become prioritized in this country. You know, women want to work here and, um, you know, just like, just like FDR and the new deal, I hope that women are prioritized in a way, um, in the workforce that can help more and more women get out there with great ideas. Women are fantastic leaders. They know how to multitask and juggle. Um, the world would be a much better place with a lot more female leaders in it. And, and what's happened in this pandemic, I think is really tragic too. how many women we've lost in the workforce. Um, I've been lucky enough to not have to be one of them. So it really does take a village. Um, it does take getting creative sometimes it does take sacrifice with your kid or kids. I have sacrificed a lot of time with my daughter in order to do what I do. Um, and everyone's balance is different, you know? So it's like, I, I hope because I do this, I, I don't judge a woman who's decided to leave her job and stay with her kids, just as I don't judge a woman who's decided to, you know, get three nannies and not see her kids at all. Everyone's balance is different. What's right for everyone is different. Um, but I really do hope that we can find a way to champion for women in this country. Cause I think it is the, one of the largest deficits we have as a nation, because, uh, there are so many women in this country who want to work and are able to work and are very, very good at what they do. Yeah. And you're one of them. My gosh. Yeah. You're just doing such an incredible job juggling it all. And I love how honest you are. So thank you for sharing and being honest and being vulnerable um, with us. Cause I think that's super important for people that are listening, especially the women out there that are listening. And we are all going to band together to get those women back into the workforce because, you know, we're coming out of this now and we want those women to get back to work because, um, you know, we need that. We need them. We do we need them. So, okay. You gave us a little bit of a sneak peek about what, what's next for good Sam, the macadamia nuts, the coffee is coming on Amazon in June. Is there anything else? Um, you know, if we look forward, what else is next for good Sam? What else do you see in your near future? There's going to be more chocolate. There's going to be, um, yeah, there's going to be more chocolate and more chocolate iterations. There's going to be, um, yeah, a couple of categories. Um, I can give a, I mean, I'm getting all the spoilers away here for you only, Nina. Like I have literally not talked to any other press about this. So it's hilarious. Um, uh, there may be something that you can make around the holidays in several iterations. Ooh, I like <laughs> that. I'm already like thinking. Keto. Oh, making. I'm thinking. Okay. I love making it. Making a cookie. Know, yeah. Some cookies. 
something like that. Okay. <laughs> I'm coming over to bake. Blaine and I are coming over to see you and your daughter and we're going to bake. Oh my gosh. That would be so fun. We should yes. definitely do that. We That's so fun. That. So tell us, Heather, how can everyone follow along with you on Instagram and your company and your website? Give us all the places that we can follow along because you guys have so much good news and so many good things happening at your company. And kudos to you guys, by the way, for doing all this goodness in the middle of a pandemic. So tell us how we can find you guys. Yeah. So um, before I say that, I'm just going to, I just want to give a shout out to my team because honestly, Sam and I couldn't do what we do without the many, many people who work on this from our farmers to our internal employees, to our manufacturers and their employees to the marketers here in the United States and the whole team at Thrive Market, who has been incredibly supportive of us as a brand and a company um, and individually as founders to Sam and I. So we're very, very lucky. Um, You can find us at goodsamfoods.com on the web. Um, On Instagram, we are goodsamfoods, at goodsamfoods. I am at Heather K. Terry, if you wanna come say hi to me. And I have made a sad attempt to be on TikTok, as you know, Nina. I love it. Keep it I, 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 I try really hard, you guys, but usually it's bloopers, which is actually kind of funny, but I'm HKT underscore good Sam. And it's always funny. And it's always like an outtake of, you know, some beautiful photo shoot that we're doing uh, that is, has gone wrong. <laughs> And that I, often, that I often go further with. <laughs> so, but we also do on TikTok and on Instagram reels, we do a lot of um, chef hacks, tips, tricks, recipes, stuff like that. So definitely follow us on social, check out the website and, and all of that. We'd love to have you be a part of our community and our movements. Yeah, that's amazing. So we're all going to go follow along and all that information will be in the show notes of this episode. So Heather, I just want to say thank you so much for sharing all your good news today. It's so good to see amazing women doing amazing work and making such a positive impact. So thank you for doing such a good job and and really prioritizing our planet because I really give my kudos to you for that because it is so important. And thank you for bringing that to all of our attention. So thanks so much for being here today. Thanks for having me, Nina. Thank you for listening to my mom's podcast. Remember, you can find Nina's Got Good News on iTunes and Spotify, also on Google Play, Stitcher, and Outcast. And now we are also on Pandora. Please be sure to subscribe. Also rate and review all her podcasts too. And be sure to share it with a friend. The mission of this podcast is to get better together as a community in the audio space. Please follow my mom on Instagram. Her handle is Nina B. Clark. Don't forget, Clark has an E at the end of it. For now, I'm Blaine Clark. Thank you again for listening, and let's just keep being awesome. XOXO.